Um, and just before I begin the message today, I want to make one other separate comment, completely unrelated. Um, it is Father's Day, and uh, I want to just, in a room this size, I just want to acknowledge that I understand Father's Day can be a, a difficult day for some, can't it? In fact, for many, it can be a hard day. And I just want to honor your courage for coming out and being a part of this today and um, you know, a lot of times, I've heard it from the pulpit many times that, oh, you have a heavenly father that, you know, he can take the place of your father. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm afraid sometimes it gets used as a just kind of a cliche line and, and we brush off people's pain. I don't want to do that today. I want to honor that. There are people in this room that struggle on Father's Day. And I want you to know that you're loved. It's going to be one of those days. <laughs> Oh, okay. You are greatly loved, and um, don't hide from that pain. Um, don't bottle it up. Don't paint over it with a brush that, you know, just tries to hide it and bury it down. Um, love God today. He loves you tremendously. We love you. You're not alone. And um, so I just wanted to say that because I know that that's a real thing on Father's Day for many of us. And um, so. On that note, you've had about five or ten minutes now to get to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. If you're not there, too bad. We're going to start. Uh, why don't you stand with me? We're going to read the word, Luke chapter 15, 11. We're going to read it in the message version. This is a parable that Jesus taught. He was sitting around one day teaching people, and he told them a fictional story called a parable that is used to explain the character of God in a human scenario, something that we can understand uh, as humans. And um, picks up in verse 11. Let's read it uh, in the message version is behind me. Let's begin. Then Jesus said, There was once a man who had two sons. And the younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. In other words, I want my inheritance. And so the father divided the property between the two sons, and it wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything that he had. And after he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through the, that country, and he began to hurt, or began to be in want. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father, they sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got right up and he went home to his father. And underline this, highlight this, remember this line, verse 20. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling his, to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. 
put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, then get a grain-fed heifer, in other words, the best animal they had, and roast it. We're going to have a feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found, and they began to have a wonderful time. They began to celebrate. My title today is A Long Way Off. Father, today we honor you, we love you. Pray that today, God, that it would not be about me. Let it be about you. Let just your will be done today, God. Make me uh, an oracle for you, just to say the things that you need to say, the things that you want to say, the things you've given me in the way that needs to be said to reach into the hearts and minds of people here today. Father, we love you. You are our priority today our first focus, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you go and have a seat? I've had a half of a five-hour energy drink, and I've got nine pages of notes. So you got two and a half hours to go. Just kidding. Oh, yeah. Anyone ever find themselves going down the YouTube rabbit hole of those videos? You know the videos I'm talking about, the ones where the soldiers come home from war? It's going to be one of those days. I'm just letting you know. You can watch these videos of a father or a mother or a brother coming home from war, and they're surprising their loved ones, and it just breaks you. It destroys me. And I'll sit, you know, Brooke will be next to me and I'll sit next to her and I'll kind of just kind of turn my back, shift over a little bit so she can't see my eyes glazing over while I'm watching these videos. And, and it's just one of those things, like, has anybody else ever seen, like, the father come home and, and he'll surprise his kid in front of a stadium of people and kids are crying and fathers are crying and everybody's just crying and there's just these amazing moments where... Someone who is a long way off has come home. There's something about the fact that even while life has been going on for months and months, that father or that mother, that brother or sister, that soldier has not been forgotten, not for a moment, not forgotten. And that spouse or that child that waits... They never stop believing that they will one day see that soldier walk up over the horizon, up the road, up the driveway, or into the house, home again. The ones that really get me are the, the ones with the younger brother. There's one in particular where a younger brother is upstairs in his house and his, and his older brother who just got home from war, he's like in his bedroom waiting for him or something, and, and the younger brother walks up the stairs and walks in the room and... He sees his brother, and he just goes and gives him this huge hug. And it's like this 30-second-long hug, like abnormally long, and they're weeping together. And it's something that two brothers just wouldn't normally do. But in that moment, nothing else mattered. For me, that's one that just, oh, just gets me. I don't know why. Can I have brothers? and Maybe that's it. But, you know... 
It never even enters his mind like where the soldier went or what he did or why they left. And none of that matters in that moment. What matters is that they are home. And I can, I can sit there not even knowing these people and just bawl my eyes out and it's just a disaster. And I shouldn't even tell Brooke that because I think I've gotten away with it, her not knowing that I do this. And uh, so this morning, um, I have a compilation that uh, I want to show of about 10 of the saddest ones, so just direct your attention. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> there's a moment in, uh, in a movie. Um, I promise I'm going somewhere with this, by the way. Um, there's a moment in a movie that I watched years and years ago. Many of you will recognize the title called Saving Private Ryan, where Mrs. Ryan, the mother of four boys who went to war, um, She's waiting for her boys to come home. And it's this moment. It's only quick. And you can miss it if you're not watching close. But she's in the kitchen. She's doing some dishes. And she's just kind of working away at things. And she glances out the window. Down the lane. They have this old country property with, you know, big, great big fields. And, and she glances down the lane looking for her son hoping one of her sons is coming up the lane. And you can miss it. Like I said, you can miss it. But there's this feeling that she had done that a hundred times a day. Day after day, month after month, desperately hoping for a glimpse of the silhouette of one of her sons walking up the driveway home. She would recognize him by the swagger in his walk. You know how you can recognize someone that you love or that you know by the way that they walk from, from far away. Like my, my father's here today, my dad. I can recognize his walk from miles away, and I just know it's him. And uh, I can just picture that, that she's looking for that, the silhouette, the walk, the swagger of her son coming up the driveway. And... I'm sure she had imagined a thousand times running out the door, down the driveway to hug her son, home safe, home again. She would be the first to see him coming from a long way off. And our main text is about Jesus telling a parable, a story. He had just told the parable of the lost son, or of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost sheep, which are both, both about his resolve to drop everything and leave everything to chase after the one who is lost because he values every single person that is lost and without him. And this parable, it tells us that even though the son had been gone for a long time, and even though the son had left on bad terms, and even though he had asked for his inheritance early, you understand? He asked for his inheritance early. In other words, he was saying to his father, you're worth more to me dead than alive. Even though he had grieved his father in an unspeakable way, and even though he had eaten with pigs, which was unclean and not kosher, and one of the most terrible, awful situations a Jewish person could find themselves in, even though he had torn the heart of his father right out of his chest, the Bible says, and Jesus tells us, that the Father saw him coming from a long way off. And that says something to me. Because it's very unlikely that the Father just happened to see him. That he just 
happened to look up in that moment and see him. In fact, I'm very convinced that that father was watching for his boy. Day after day, hundred times a day, month after month, like Mrs. Ryan looking for her boy. I picture that father as being the kind of person who would leave the light on at night just in case his boy would come home. Who would, who would, gosh, this is harder than I thought today. <laughs> who would move his bed over to the window so he could see out, just to check, see if his boy was coming home. Who would stop everything in the middle of the day, time and time again, and just look up and take a look. Is my boy coming home? It's my son coming home. He would recognize him by the swagger of his walk from a mile away. And I, I imagine that day as being like he probably saw a speck on the horizon so far away. And his heart just, something just happened. His heart just began to beat. And he wouldn't let him, I just picture it this way. This is how I see this story happening, unfolding. I'm reading between the lines, of course. But I imagine that he probably wouldn't let himself actually believe his son was home. He probably thought, no, no, it's somebody else. It's got to be someone else. But it might be my boy. And as that speck became larger, as it got closer, I imagine that he would have saw that silhouette of a man and recognized, like I said, the swagger of his walk. And realized his boy had come home. And he, I imagine whatever he was doing, probably with the servants or different people that he had and people that he worked with, he would have, he would have just dropped everything and he ran and he ran to his boy. And he grabbed him and he hugged him, one of those 30 second long awkward hugs, but he probably lifted him up to the ground and, and kissed him and, and the Bible says he put the, the family ring on his finger and his son tried to give him this big explanation and he didn't care about it and he just wanted to love his boy. He had been the first to see him coming from a long way off. Immediately a part of the family again. Immediately reinstated. Not caring about where he went not caring about what he did or why he left. And the point of Jesus telling this story is, and, and what I want to convey to you today, is that if you're here today and feel like you are a long way off from God, you need to know on this Father's Day that God, our Father, is the Father who is watching out for you, waiting for you, Every moment, every day, day after day, month after month, year after year, some of us decade after decade, waiting for you to come home. And he doesn't care where you went. He doesn't care what you did. He doesn't care why you left or how far you feel you are 
away from him, our Father is watching for you. And you may feel far from him, but he is so close and so available to you at any moment. And he might be dead to you. And like that son, you may feel like you're dying inside and he can make you feel alive again. You may feel lost in this world, but when you find him, he can give you purpose and direction. In a few minutes, if you're identifying with this today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And I promise I won't embarrass you or single you out in any way. I won't do that. But I want to give you a chance to respond. We have visitors here today. We have people that have been here for a long time. But if you can right now search your heart, if you have that pounding in your chest, that prompting of God that for me is usually the sign that God wants me to respond to something, there's a pounding that goes on in my chest that I can't ignore and maybe you don't recognize it or maybe you have felt that feeling for such a long time. Maybe you felt it before and have ignored it. Maybe you've ignored his prompting. But in a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. In fact, the Bible says it's actually your destiny to be adopted into the family of God. Did you know that? It's your destiny, it's your purpose for being on this earth to be in relationship with God. You were created for that purpose. Ephesians 1.5 says this, it says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Remember that in that moment while they were still hugging on the road, the son was still trying to give his father the speech how he was sorry and he was begging his father to you know, let him be a hired servant and the father just didn't hear a word of it. And watch this. He put the family ring on him. In that moment, he became part of the family again. In that moment, it was that easy, that quick. He adopted him back into the family as a son. The father didn't say... What didn't the father say? The father didn't say, here's how you have to behave if you're coming back. Or here's what you got to do to earn your way back. Or here's how much you have to repay. No, he adopted him back. And he put the family ring on his finger and reinstated him with the family name saying, take my identity. You can be mine. You can belong here. Your debt is covered, forgiven, loved, and reinstated. In a moment... Galatians 4, 5 says, God sent Jesus to buy with his life freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Hear me today. God wants nothing more than to adopt you into his family today. As a son or daughter. Sometimes it's hard to put that into practical sense, common, everyday sense um, to understand the depth of his desire to do that so I want to take a minute this morning and I want to try and paint a picture of just how intense the desire of a father is the desire of our father is to adopt you 
I want to take a minute to give you a glimpse of what that looks like. I'm going to watch a video in a second here. And there's a man who is celebrating his birthday. And there's an 11-year-old boy reading this self-made card, a birthday card for his dad. And it's really touching, and I've moved through, you know, the first part where he reads the whole card. And he gets to the end of it, and uh, the man isn't the boy's biological father, but he is the man who has raised this boy, who has been his father. And it's a bit of a low-quality video, I admit, kind of hard to hear, kind of messy, much like real life often is. And I hope to use this today much like Jesus did with a parable to show you and paint a picture of what the character of our father is like. So can we play that real quick? Today I have three questions Open the to ask you. Do you love me? Do you love mom? Can you live without us? So, so let's stop playing Will you do me the biggest favor in the world? Will you adopt me? And a reaction very similar to what I imagine from our Heavenly Father, the minute you ask him, the moment. You'll notice the Father didn't say, well, here's how you have to behave. Well, here's what you got to do to earn it. He just said yes. Something he wanted so much. And that little boy made his day. And our God, our Father, is desperate like that to be your Father today. Your Heavenly Father. And you may not understand it all and but know this, that he has sacrificed much for you and made a way so that you can be in relationship with him. And he wants it so much. You not, may not love everything about church or religion or the ways humanity has distorted Christianity in some ways and the love of God. And many times churches have made mistakes and Leaders have made mistakes and in some ways we've turned it into rules and religion. People have fought wars over religion and Christianity, created hate, tried to say it was God. You may not love everything about what the church has done over the years, but I'm a pastor and I don't love everything we've done over the years. Like. doesn't change his love for you 
doesn't change the fact that in this moment he's beating on your heart. People all over this room, God beating on your heart. You can feel it in your chest. I'm speaking to you today. God wants you to come home, start a relationship with him. Told you earlier I'd give you a chance to respond to him today. Maybe it makes sense for the first time, and maybe you don't fully understand, that's okay, but you can't deny that feeling. And many in this room, all of us, many of us have felt that tug in our heart, that prompting of the Spirit of God that says, I want you. I want to be close to you. Respond to him today. In a minute, I'm going to show you how. And there are some here today that I want to include with this, that you were once close to God. But if you're honest with yourself and with God, you feel, you feel a long way off. He feels far away. in this room might think you're good you might put on a good show put on the smile for Sunday morning and everybody thinks you're good but you know in your heart that you are a long way off this is for you today I told you I wouldn't embarrass you so if you recognize that God is speaking through me to you today in about 30 seconds, all I'm going to ask is for you to show me your hand. I'm going to get everyone to stand up right now. It's a simple gesture, but it helps me know who I'm praying for. I won't call you down to the front. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. And that's it. And I'll take a minute. I want to take a minute right now. I want you to take a, a moment. That's you. Consider it in your heart. I'll ask you to raise your hands in just a moment. Consider it in your heart. Because starting a relationship with God is taking on his identity. It's taking on his name. It's becoming who he wants you to be in life. Making him the center of your life. It's forgiveness of sin. It's eternity in heaven with God. It's a life of love, a relationship between you. So take a minute. I'll pause. Consider it today. All over this room. Father, I pray that those who are here today, as they consider this, would sense your leading today, your prompting, your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this moment. God. Are you ready? If that's you today, whether for the first time starting a relationship with God or you've just felt a long way off and need to come home, I just want to see your hand. I see those hands.
put your hands down. He loves you so much. And we love you. You're not signing up for a church. You can come here. You're welcome here. We will love you here. This church will love you. You can be a part of the community. You belong here. Wherever God plants you, remember this day. Remember this moment where you started that relationship with the most amazing father on Father's Day. And I have one closing thing that I just want to say. For us who have been around for a long time, have been doing this for a long time in the church, we all know the story. We know how it ends. There's this brother, the older brother, and I won't get into it today and I won't read it because we already know it, most of us. There's an older brother that was upset because the father had mercy on on the younger brother when he came back. He said... Well, I never left. You never killed the best animal for me and celebrated me. He had done everything right. He had been faithful. He had been loyal. He had done what was right. And he was upset that his father would allow the younger son so easily to enter back into the family. And he was upset at the mercy and grace of his father, thinking it was unfair. He would have wanted his father to require the younger son to behave a certain way, to repay his debt, and to earn the family ring. And Faith Tabernacle Church, the words I leave you with today are to continue to guard yourselves from being like that older brother. This church is good at that. We do guard ourselves from being that. Continue to guard ourselves from being that older brother. The older brother thought the family was fine the way it was. He was focused on his life, his deeds, and his eyes were on himself, his preferences and his own goals. But rather be like the father and our father. His brother, see, his brother was out there and he was desperate and in need and he wasn't concerned. He was just good with his own life. He wasn't watching for his brother. He didn't drop everything and go search the world for his brother. He wasn't looking every moment of the day at the horizon for his brother. And my words to us today as a church, as the Church of Halifax, is to look for the silhouette of sons and daughters coming home over the horizon, up the road. They may not be your children, but they are his. Every moment of every day, day after day, month after month, and year after year, be ready to drop everything and run to them, welcome them with open arms. Even if they're a mess, even if they're desperate, even if they're hungry, even if they don't know how to act, they may have preconceived ideas of what church will look like and what it should be, but always be watching for them, ready for them. Because this younger generation 
needs spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers who will welcome them without judgment like God welcomed you one day. Who will be a father today? Who will be a mother to those on the horizon of our city? Build a church culture that is ready for them, watching for them, waiting for them. Watch for them. Welcome them in. See them coming from a long way off. Father, today I pray for those who raise their hand. You know every situation, you know every heart. Whether it was a first-time commitment or they're feeling far away from you, coming home. Thank you for that today. I pray, God, that you would be so real to them and create an amazing sense of purpose in their life. I pray for the beginning of a relationship between you and them, the start of a journey. Not the start of perfection, but the start of a journey. To become more like you, to understand you, and then to help others find you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Why don't we worship a little bit longer? Amen.